0: And hopefully you've done your research, or you know, or you know, no, not you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's like, um, cute, terrified look on my face. Like, I don't know if I've done enough research or not.
0: No, no, I'm talking to the people. Oh, the people! Hi, people. <laughs> Welcome to Two Real Tokyo.
1: I'm Angie. I'm Jamie, this is a podcast about the quirks and quandaries of life in Tokyo and life in general. Welcome to Episode 7, Pontifications, in which we pontificate about that frequently discussed topic, the Enneagram.
0: My quandary this week, if we are supposed to be the lead in technology in the world, I mean,
1: I feel half the the quadris start start with that. (laughs) Okay, so far, yes.
0: (laughs) Why in the world do we not have central heating? Amen. I mean, Mm -mm. we touched on this in a different episode about how we don't really even have insulation. Not like we would in the States. And so, oh, shoot. Well, speaking of heating, the heater's on right now, and that's probably making a lot of noise. Um, we just have heating units in, well, in each room, in some places. In a little box of a apartment like mine, I have one.
1: Well, I mean, it's an air conditioner that can also produce heat. Right. But that means it's not that efficient, because it's just blowing out a bunch of hot air at ceiling level.
0: Right, yeah. So
1: it takes quite a while for the room to warm up. Yeah. Actually, I was just talking with my co teacher today about how even if they have their air conditioner heater on, it just takes too long for it to circulate so that she really doesn't feel warm unless she also runs her, everybody get ready with your Japanese knowledge, toyu heater, her kerosene uh-huh. heater at the yeah. same time. Uh, she has to blow that at her feet otherwise she just kind of never gets warm. Yeah. Anyway, I don't want to take over your quandary, but I'm
0: just Well, and I was talking with somebody else mm-hmm. today that said that they run their regular fan underneath their heater like on the floor so that the heat can at least be dispersed more. Like their by fan, the fan from summer? Yeah.
1: Well, we have one fan in our dining room. And it actually has a setting. Like, I do not understand the physics of this, but (laughs) apparently when you rotate the fan one way, it blows the air down. But if you turn it and rotate it the other way, then it blows the air up. Mm -hmm. So it has it marked for, like, summer or winter, and you can switch it. Oh. So I actually feel like, what's wrong with me? It's almost the middle of January, and I haven't um, switched my fan. Uh Uh-huh. But I also haven't dusted my fan, so that's a separate... Right. Okay. Once I dust my fan, then I'll feel like... Maybe I'll do that tonight. Hey, people. I'm going to dust my fan (laughs) and uh, turn it on. Wow. By next week. Resolutions.
0: (laughs) True. (laughs) Baby steps. (laughs) What is your quirk?
1: Confession about my reading style and how it is that I can read a lot of books. Okay, this is my quirk. And so the good thing about this quirk is that it's part of the reason why I can read a lot. But there's also a downside of this quirk that you'll understand as soon as I talk about it. And mm-hmm. sorry, you already know what it is.
0: No, that's okay. The
1: ben- This, for the story this is, is for the for people, the- not for me. This story is for the benefit of the people. So <laughs> one main reason or time when I read a lot is that I wake up in the middle of the night for whatever reason, like any number of reasons. For example, I have to go to the bathroom or there's some kind of a noise or I don't even know why. Like sometimes my neighbor turns the light on in their room and then that like beams into my room and that wakes me up. I make myself sound like such a delicate sleeper. <laughs> I really don't think that I am, but I just think there's some, like, timing thing. Probably if I was tracking my sleep, I would guess that if I hear something or, like, something moves or light comes on at this, you know, timing when I'm not as deeply asleep, then it just wakes me up. Um, but anyway, if I wake up and then I'm just, like, wide awake, it's done. I'm already Mm. wide awake. So that's when I read. (laughs) And even if I'm that wide awake, like, even if I should be so tired, reading doesn't make me go back to sleep. Mm. So in that sense, probably somebody who is like a sleep expert would tell me, like, what are you doing? Like, that's (laughs) not a good idea. But I don't know. I just feel like, okay, if I'm already awake and I know myself now, I know that I'm not just going to go back to sleep if I close my eyes for a few minutes, Right. Yeah. I might as well use that time. So, I don't know. It's not great, but often, I think, usually if I read for, like, an hour, then I can kind of get tired enough, but sometimes it's more like two or three.
0: (laughs) I mean, hashtag insomnia? Yeah,
1: I don't want to call it that. I do feel like the number of times that's been happening to me went way down ever since I started walking more. Oh, good. So... There's probably some connection with that. Yeah. Anyway, that's my quirk. I read a lot in the wee hours of the middle of Mm -hmm. the night. And, yeah, that's okay. Yep. It is what it is. New book goal 75.
0: Woo woo. Mine's 30, I think. Okay.
1: I mean, P.S., I feel like in our book episode, I didn't. I don't know. Did I confess how many books I read? Yeah, I think we've
0: talked about Goodreads about twice. Hmm. So out of our six episodes, oh hi, (laughs) hi everybody,
1: we like to talk about Goodreads. Should we just have a segment that's called Talk About Goodreads?
0: I mean, a segment about books. I think that's fair. Okay, book segment. Go ahead. I'm currently reading *Arch Enemies* by Marissa Meyer. It's the second book in her Renegade series. Um, I'm on a Marissa Meyer kick right now because I'm also in the middle of reading Heartless, which is um, a fractured fairy tale about the Queen of Hearts. Um, And I bought so many books when I was in the States. Oh, thanks for single-handedly keeping Barnes & Noble (laughs) open. For real. I appreciate you. So many. I would
1: appreciate you more if I actually had access to Barnes & Noble, but it's fine.
0: I know. I We were going to FaceTime, but it was always too late when I went. Oh,
1: it's okay. Like, too late here. No, no, no. I don't mean that. I more mean, like, hey, Barnes & Noble, come. why to Japan? aren't you in Japan?
0: Yeah. No, I agree. Um, But I bought, like, five hardcover books and six or seven paperback.
1: I'm sure there was no connection between that and your back going out.
0: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't ever carry it on my back.
1: Alright, but still, it was in your suitcase, which you carried at some point. True. Right? Yep. That's what I'm saying. Well,
0: and I had to get it up and down the stairs since my dad was out of commission. That's so. what I
1: mean. It's not, I'm not trying to bring this conversation into the old people home <laughs> conversation. I'm, in, <laughs> I'm just saying, I think there might be a connection there.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, what is a book that you're hoping to read in the next month?
1: Uh, one book I'm hoping to read in the next month is called... Cooper, and I don't know that much about it, but in our library at school, we have certain books. Oh, I saw it. Did you see it? Yeah. We have certain books that are picked by a, it's like a Tokyo-wide, or maybe even Japan-wide, I'm not sure, committee of librarians, Mm -hmm. and they read through these books that they've elected to each other as potential for this categorization, category? I don't know called Sakura Book. So if something becomes a Sakura Book, then that means it's like really good, highly recommended by this panel of librarians. So sometimes when I don't feel like trying to figure out which book would be good, Mm -hmm. then I just go straight to the ones that have a little cherry blossom on the spine. Yeah, That's so kind of them to uh, provide that service Mm -hmm. for us. And also I feel I should learn more about how it works, because I don't know if what I just said was right.
0: I linked it in our Mm -hmm. episode one show notes. (gasps) <gasps>
1: what? Yeah. I'm um, sorry. I haven't been reading the show notes. <laughs> Confession. I will start studying my own show notes. They're not really mine since you made them. Good job. Uh, Hooper. This book is called Hooper and it's a basketball story. And um, I don't know. It was a Sakura book and it was about basketball, which is in our family since it's basketball season for my son mm-hmm. right now. So, I thought that I would like to give it a try and I borrowed it yesterday. Oh, good. Yeah. Um, It is by Jeff Herbach. I hope I'm saying that right. Sorry, Jeff, if I said it wrong.
0: I mean, last (laughs) episode I said Ian Martin Crone, and then we. (laughs) And then I said sorry, Ian. Uh, Yeah.
1: Thanks for apologizing (laughs) to him. Oh, I didn't know that that book was just published last year in February. Oh. Um. It has pretty good rating on Goodreads. I guess it's a YA. I don't really care about... I don't know. I don't pay that much attention to those kind of categorizations. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I... And actually, today, it's very short. So speaking of YA, this is more like YA. But today, when I was subbing for Study Hall, Mm -hmm. I read a book called... The Dragon's Flight, I think, and it's Mm -hmm. a story about Angel Island. Did you ever know that there's this, um, well, it's not there now, so that's a thing, but it's like an Ellis Island for the West Coast. Oh. And I didn't even know that was a thing, but there used to be somewhere near San Francisco, um, there was this place called Angel Island, and that was where... Like it was ninety seven percent Chinese people mm-hmm. that would they would be trying to come into the us mm-hmm. and then they would be processed there Whoa. yeah, so it was really interesting mm-hmm. um, this author I think his name is Lawrence uh, Lawrence I think yep yEP and he seems to have quite a lot of books about like wow. this, like Chinese immigrant experience or Asian yeah. American kind of thing but um. It was really short. It was, like, maybe 120 pages long, but it was a story of how his grandfather, no, his father, at about 10 years old, came to the U.S. with his grandfather, but his grandfather was, like, um, kind of went back and forth mm-hmm. between the U.S. and China. Anyway, the whole thing was very um, wow. interesting. I didn't know anything about all, you know, that kind of history. So it was a short story? Uh, it wasn't really, I mean, it was a short story in the sense that the whole book was short. Um, but it wasn't... Uh, it, wasn't it was
0: nonfiction.
1: It was a non... It, well, it was, like, a historical fiction. He. Oh, I think okay. this guy studied and did a lot of research about his grandfather, and he even found the official immigration documents Whoa. in some kind of an archive, national, like, government archive. Wow. Yeah, because he and one of somebody he's related to are researchers. Oh, cool. So they found these pictures and then, like, official documentation about his dad and his grandfather passing wow. into the Ellis or Sorry, not Ellis Island. Angel Island. So then between those documents and then conversations that he remembered... With his father, he kind of pieced the thing together and made Mm -hmm. it into a story. So it's, like, mostly true, but I guess still categorized as historical fiction. Anyway, uh, not very long, but really super interesting.
0: Wow. Yeah. That does sound good. Yeah. One of the ones that I'm um, looking forward most to reading from the selection of books that I got is called The Good Neighbor, and it's the life and work of Fred Rogers. Um, And this it's by Maxwell King, and um,
1: is a movie based on that book.
0: I don't know. Um, I don't know if it says on the in Goodreads. Did you watch that movie? No, I still haven't seen it.
1: No, me either.
0: And I really, really, really want to see it. Okay, sorry. Talk about the book. Um, it doesn't say anything on here that about it. But, um, Mister Rogers was a huge part of my growing up and I feel very influenced by that and his whole idea I mean even reading his quotes now as a teacher like I really believe that he um he was very much about instilling imagination and um also like difficult things because they talked about racism and people getting cancer, people dying, like, Mm. a lot of those hard topics, but he always did it in such a sensitive way that it wasn't scary, like, to watch that. I'm very excited to read that book about his life.
1: Did you know that, um, that that show was on... From 1968 to 2001.
0: I feel like I vaguely remember that because I've watched another documentary about him.
1: Wow. 31 seasons? Yeah. I mean... That's... They have
0: most of the seasons on Netflix. At least they did on American Netflix a couple summers ago. Oh, really? So I, like, watched a bunch. And I watched a bunch of his original ones. Mm-hmm. Anyway, great. Woo! I love it. I also, side note, I love biographies and I haven't read a good biography recently, so... I'm excited to read that.
1: No, I think that sounds really good. Uh, The end of book segment.
0: (laughs) So at the end of last week's episode, we talked about how we were going to do maybe a couple episodes on the Enneagram. Um... And hopefully you've done your research or, you know, or, you know, no, not you.
1: <laughs> it's like, um, cute, terrified look on my face. Like, I don't know if I've done enough research or not.
0: No, no. I'm talking to the people. Oh, the people. Hi, people.
1: <laughs> She's putting you in the corner. Have you done your research? Did if you, you... haven't, it,
0: pause it right now and get your butts back to last week's show notes and click the things.
1: Click the things, take the test, mm-hmm. read the descriptions. Yep.
0: Um. This week we'll we'll talk a little bit about I guess how we got into the Enneagram, mm-hmm. and it I'm sure it'll it'll tangent from there, so it'll rabbit trail from there. <laughs> <And> it will <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Do you want to start? Because you're really the one that introduced it to me, but we can talk about that in a little bit. This
1: is all my fault. <laughs> um, I first heard about the Enneagram. I think that it was from this on-person with online presence. I don't know how to title her as a job cuz I don't think that's her job, but
0: influencer.
1: I mean, <laughs> oh yeah, sure, in today's terms. <laughs> yeah. Her name is Lee Kramer. Mm-hmm. And I actually think, I hope I'm not saying the wrong thing, but you know, this website slash lady business called Your Enneagram Coach? Mm-hmm. I think that Lee was the original owner of that business. Oh. And then she sold her business to this lady, Beth McCord. Yes. McCord? Sorry. Yes. Uh, who runs it now. So, anyway. I think I was following Lee online because she was a blogger. hmm I was following her online even before she started that business. And, P.S., I found her because of Meg. All things go back to Meg Teats. Thank you, Meg. Because Meg was originally into Myers-Briggs. And then... Anyway, I don't know. I never... Of course, wrote all these things down. So I can't remember the order in which it happened, but I was following this blogger called Lee Kramer and she knew about the Enneagram and she then um, had started a business about the Enneagram. And that was the first time that I heard of it. But she described it often as um, something that would be easier, it would be easier to figure out your type. Um, Of course, by reading descriptions and things that people recommend, but she also recommended, like, kind of verbally processing it in conversation with somebody Mm. who knew about it. Yeah. So I think initially when I heard her talking about it like that, I wasn't very interested only because I felt like, wow, that sounds like something I would really like, but I don't know you, I don't have the ability to hire you, Also, I don't know anyone in my real life who's talking about that. Yeah. So, okay, yeah, I guess I could get a book and read about it, but you're making it sound like that's not as great. I don't know. I'm probably talking with a kind of tone like it's all her fault that I didn't just jump into getting interested. And I don't mean it that way. Like, I want to give her credit for, you know, introducing it to me and, and bringing my initial interest. I just mean that Uh, because I interpreted the way she talked about it like that, I didn't learn that much about it right away Mm -hmm. after I heard about it. I just, like, kind of put it in the back of my mind as, like, oh, that's a thing that sounds interesting. Um, and I think I went into Amazon and put a bunch of books about the Enneagram on my wish list, Mm -hmm. but then I just felt like, I don't know what I felt. I don't have money for buying those books right now or whatever, so, um... Then five, maybe five or six years ago, one Christmas, my mom got into my Amazon wish list and just started clicking. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Thanks mom. I actually felt bad because some of, mom, if you hear this, I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, some of the books I had put on my so-called wish list were more just like I was trying to remind myself that I might want to read that book someday Uh, because we didn't have good reads then. Right. So when I found a book that I wanted to read, I would just go into Amazon and put it in my wish list. But some of them were really more like, I just want to borrow this book from the library. Yeah. So she also gave me some books. (laughs) Oops. Oops. I mean, thank you, though. I read them. Um... One of them was Richard Rohr's book called The Wisdom of the Enneagram, Mm. and um, so I read that book, and then I was really interested, and I took some of the online uh, tests or whatever. I was always too cheap to pay $12, Mm -hmm. but I read so much, like, after I read that book, then I subsequently got other books, and um, that I felt like, okay... And then I figured out that I was a nine, which was horrifying. <laughs> that's how I knew. As everybody says, but it's just mm-hmm. so true. Don't let it be a cliche because it's that true. Yeah. If that's the type that you think like, oh, that person sounds like, pff, I don't want to be around them, then that's who you are. <laughs> Great. <laughs> um, so anyway, yeah, I uh, I love it. I think it's so interesting. I do feel a little like... I feel a little embarrassed or, like, shy to talk about it because I feel like a lot of people who talk about it say, like, oh, it you know, it changed my life so much and I've grown so much and changed my relationship so much and whatever and I, I don't know, like, maybe that's true for me, but I don't feel like keeping track of that process is something that I'm good at. Um, or I, sh- I don't know, I don't know if I'm good at it or not, but I just don't I don't have a strong sense of like before I knew about the Enneagram I was like this and now I'm like this and that's so different and it's all thanks to the Enneagram I guess that's more like my way of thinking all of the things are connected so it's mm-hmm. super hard to pull apart you know I'm sure that I've grown I'm sure that I've changed I really appreciate the um you know better awareness that mm-hmm. I have of yeah. first of all myself but you know then also other people and um, yeah, I just I just love it as a, as a tool. It's like a shortcut sometimes. Not yeah. every time, right? But sometimes it's like a good shortcut for under, understanding a little bit more about who somebody is. But I also want to say I love the way that um, Typology podcast, mm-hmm. Ian Morgan Crohn. I love the way that he always talks about it, that like, that's not who you are. Right, yeah. You know, like, that's who
0: you... It shouldn't... You shouldn't be using it as a definition for yourself.
1: Right. And I do think that I actually have a tendency to fall into that, so I appreciate... When I listen to his podcast, he seems very careful to mention, like, almost every episode, like, hey, guys, let's remember, this is not who you are. This is, like, the, you know, the self that you put on... Mm-hmm. And what you're really trying to do is understand who that is so that you can, you know, move past it or, like, not feel limited by it. So um,
0: I really like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. For sure. What's your Enneagram-related
0: story? One question before we move on. Oh, sure. So how long in total do you think you've, how long have you known about the Enneagram or studied
1: Um, I mean, I think my more intense study has probably been within the last three or three years, three or four years, because even after my mom gave me that book, I didn't get very into it right away. Yeah. Um, P.S. I can't find that book now, and I might have to buy another one because I really, of all the Enneagram books, I really, really like that one. I want to
0: read that one. That's the one I haven't read.
1: Do you have it? No. Yeah. Um, I think I'm just gonna have to rebuy. I keep thinking it would show up somewhere around my house, but that's been not happening for a while mm-hmm. now. Uh, I've known. I would say I must have known about it for uh, seven or eight years. Um, but I feel I've become much more familiar in the last two or three. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, I got into it because. Um our division at school was talking about um, personality types and um, strengths finders and those kind of things that is great to talk about, especially in a work setting. And I'm so glad that we have a work setting that. Yes. Question. I mean,
1: question. Sorry to interrupt you. It was almost like talking through Ann Bogle's book.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: Right.
0: Yeah, for sure. Like
1: we didn't go through literally every um, different kind of cate- system. I don't know what to call that she mentions in her book, but but we several. did at
0: least four of them. I think so. at least mentioned. We didn't go into depth, but mm-hmm. um, and <laughs> in those conversations, you can always tell who's more into that kind of thing. But. <laughs> Mm, true but mm, in college we in the first freshman course that everybody has to take the first psychology one that everybody has to take um is kind of just about exploring who you are as a person um of course that happens anyway especially I feel like in college and so we did strength finders and we did um Myers-Briggs and I feel like we did I don't think we did Kiersey's Temperaments, but we did, like, another one. I feel like I can't remember what it was. But that was, like, the thing is that when you met new people on campus, the, like, second or third thing you would ask them was, what's your Myers-Briggs? Um. And so it's always, like, a running joke. And I guess they are into, they do the Enneagram now, too, in that class. Um, And they said it's also become that kind of thing that people will ask, what their Enneagram number is when they're getting to know people, which I think is really funny. <laughs> but I got into it because in that time that we were having that conversation, I was having fun because I was kind of reliving that same, like, remembering that we had done in college. And so um, I remember you mentioning, like, you should really check out the Enneagram. And I was like, ah, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> And then... I don't think you were very interested. No, I totally didn't that first year. And then as we started becoming closer friends, um, I don't even remember when it actually happened, but I think it was in a setting that we were with several other people and you made all of us take it. I made (laughs) made you.
1: Hey!
0: (laughs) But as soon as I, like, read through the couple first few on whatever free test I took. Um, I think my top two were six and seven and something else. And then I was like, I don't really know what I am. So I had asked you mm-hmm. and I did some more reading and um, I am a six. And um, I do have, I mean, especially when I'm not in a good place, I do have a lot of anxiety and for a long time I didn't talk about that and I know that I buried a lot of that and I put a lot of pressure on myself for that and so to me when I found that out I wasn't like embarrassed and I wasn't like when I found out I I, I was a six I wasn't like oh, I don't want to be that number. Mm. It was like, oh my gosh, this is like relief, like to know Mm -hmm. that other people feel the same way. Mm -hmm. Um, And when we had then that Enneagram um, workshop at school, I just think it's so interesting because there was only one other six there in like full-time teaching. I feel like I I've never met another teacher who's a six. And so still to this moment. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Whoa. So as much as I feel like people talk about everybody being, or a lot of people being sixes. I've only met three other sixes so far since I've started um, hey guys, talking about the Enneagram.
1: If you're a six and you know about the Enneagram, or it should be the other way around, I guess. If you know about the Enneagram <laughs> and therefore you know that you're a six, or for that matter, whatever type you are, why don't you leave a comment on our Instagram because I'm very curious uh, what are you, if you're willing Mm, to, if you're willing to tell us. (laughs) Um, I wanted to, side note, I wanted to make a connection between Enneagram conversation and Japan, and, um, I found this article on EnneagramLasVegas.com. I know, that's random uh written by this guy whose wife is Japanese and actually this thing looks so interesting that I'm not going to just like quote the entire thing but uh, guess what guess what this guy is saying he's saying that he sees Japan as a six Oh, for sure country for well, sure well he's picking three types he's picking 6 and 4 and 1 yes And then he goes on to explain why he thinks that. So, I mean, that's not scientific research or anything. I mean, but all of
0: those things make sense as a culture in general, I think. Especially, though, I feel
1: like I, I could see all of those, but the thing that always strikes me about Japan and that I actually get frustrated with a lot is all of these rules. Like, I don't know how... Being rebellious doesn't really seem like a nine thing necessarily. And I don't think I'm rebellious in the sense of the init- the sense of the word that people would put, mm-hmm. the definition people would put on that word. Um, but I think there's some part of me that like likes to be free and doesn't <laughs> maybe that's a nine thing. Nine doesn't want to have conflict, right? And so if you feel pressure to do something that you don't want to do, But it's also hard to assert yourself. So then it's like... Right. Coming up against a rule that doesn't make sense to you creates a stressful situation for a nine because you just have an instinctive feeling that you don't want to follow that rule. Yeah. But then you also feel like it's not okay to say that you don't like that rule, or whatever. Like, a rule is a rule, so then maybe nine being close to one, I don't know. You feel obligated to go with a rule, but then you also feel, like, super triggered. Mm -hmm. Because, if like, I mean, in the case of a rule, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think for me as an American, or at least the way that I think, even though I've been here for a long time, and I speak Japanese, I think people who meet me initially, they love to say... Like, oh, you're so Japanese. And I feel like, okay, maybe some ways that I act are somewhat Japanese, or certainly the fact that I speak Japanese makes me Japanese, (laughs) but I feel also like my attitude towards rules is actually so far away from Mm, that. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I guess having a lot of rules is making Japan work, so that's great, but I appreciate things that make sense. (laughs) Yeah. And so... I feel they have a lot of rules that just, like, for me, don't make sense. Mm-hmm. I guess it makes sense for them. That's how they came up with that rule in the first place. But for me, I don't know. I feel so rubbed the wrong way. Like, <laughs> yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Anyway, I don't have a strong finish to that point. But I just wanted to say I found this article, and it looks very interesting. And it says that this guy thinks Japan is 6-4-1.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Agreed. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Steve. I also (laughs) thought of two more people that are sixes, so... Are they teachers, though? No. Okay. I haven't met any other teachers that are sixes. Oh, okay. No, you said that, but I didn't know if you meant people who
1: are sixes, period, or... Mm. The other thing we were talking about lately, though, which, again, I probably don't have a strong conclusion for this, but if anybody has comments about it, I would like to know. I feel like something that I don't see much conversation about in Enneagram, uh, I don't know. Conversations. Conversations, (laughs) be that a book or podcast or whatever, is... I don't see people talking much about the differences between if someone is an introvert or an extrovert. Mm-hmm. And for me, I feel like that's pretty, probably a pretty significant difference. Like, even when, for example, we were at this um, Enneagram workshop workshop that you were talking about, mm-hmm. um, there were a few other people, I don't remember, maybe three or four other people that identified themselves as, as, themselves as a nine, and when I looked at all those people, I really felt awkward, like, um, I really like all of you because you're my coworkers, but I don't actually, like, if I had to just guess around the room, who would I feel some commonality with? I'm sorry, but you guys are not the people that I would pick. Uh-huh. Do you know what I mean? But I also feel like all of those people are introverts. And if you asked them, what are you? I think they would identify as introverts, too. I think what I'm trying to say is, I don't think I'm making it up. I think that they really are. Yeah. And I think that I'm not. Mm-hmm. So that's the part of being a nine that I still feel like not totally reconciled with. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of the descriptions or even stereotypes that people get in their mind about... Um, how a nine acts. I guess this is maybe then a behavior versus motivation thing. Yeah. Like, I really think it's important to come, always come back to what is the person's motivation. And then that's a much stronger indicator of what your number actually is. Mm -hmm. So in that case, I would always stick with, okay, I guess I'm a nine. Mm-hmm. I mean, I sometimes feel I'm a nine wing seven, mm-hmm. <laughs> if that were a thing. I know well, it's not. I know that's not a numbers. thing. Exactly. <laughs> um, but anyway, just some of the some of the be some of the behavioral stereotypes that come out, like oh nine loves to be at home. Oh nine loves to have so many routines, and I really don't. I don't know. I don't know if I'm just, again, like, I'm trying to be rebellious. If I would only, like, admit it, then I would find that that's actually how I am. But that's weird.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it could just be the season, too. Or what's happening in your life.
1: But I've even thought through that before. Like, did I like staying at home more when I had a different... When I lived somewhere else? And I feel like, no. (laughs) No. Okay, here's a thing that I think really, for me, it makes sense. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot in 9 that talks about going along with other people. but So I feel like, for me, that makes sense as far as being an introvert because I am energized when I'm with other people. And then that plays out in the sense that, I'm more interested in being with other people than I am about whatever it is we're doing. So, you know, if you want to, you want to spin that as a good thing, then it's like, oh great, how flexible you are. I mean, that was my even top thing on Strength Finders, right? Right. Um, now I can't even, what is this word? It's not flexible. It starts with an A and I'm like, can't even speak English right now. Anyway. Adaptable. Thank you. Adaptability. Adaptability mm-hmm. is like my number one thing on strength Finders. Well, I
0: felt like we were playing um <laughs> <What's that? laughs> Game where you hold your phone on your head like this or <laughs> what vocabulary vocabu- Taboo.
1: vocabulary categories any right. any, any of them. <laughs> so do you know what I mean? For me, I feel like those things all kind of go together. Um yeah, like I'm energized by being with people, so, but then, yeah. Okay, I don't need to repeat what I just said. That's, Mm -hmm. that's the end. (laughs) Jump. Yeah, thanks. What do you think? How does that, do you see connections between six and extrovert that
0: make sense to you? I mean, six, like, if you looked at the number as a whole, I feel like, you would probably think most sixes were introverted as a six extrovert i think that a lot of times when i hear other sixes talk about like security or wanting to find security um i feel like sometimes they talk about how maybe they feel like they can't vocalize that they need that security where as i i feel like as an extrovert at first it is very hard for me to ask for help because another thing is that I want to try to do it on my own. And I think maybe that's even part of me being Chat. What?
1: No, I'm just, is that a sixth thing or is that a, like, I want to do it on my own because I don't know who I can trust.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, yes. And, but I also feel like it's easier for me to ask for help when I have my close circle of friends around me. So yeah, that is, I guess that is more of, that's, that's just a sixth thing in general. That's not impacted by extrovert or introvert because I'm still only asking people that I trust and not people outside of that circle.
1: Well, but do you think it That was a
0: roundabout question. It didn't, it just clicked in my brain instead of actually answering anything. No,
1: it's okay. But I do wonder, like, in that case, don't you think, maybe i mean this is me being stereotypical about extrovert and introvert and i don't actually think the thing is this simple but for the sake of this conversation mm-hmm. like do don't you think that perhaps an extroverted 6 even if they struggle to trust people but they would still tend to end up with more people that they trust because they're energized mm-hmm. by being with people
0: yeah right I think so
1: whereas an introverted 6 Okay, starting off, they're introverted, so they're not probably going to feel like they need quite as many relationships. Mm -hmm. They might, but I don't know. Um, And then add to that a a struggle with trusting people. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's where I see, like, maybe some kind of a difference would come out. Yeah.
0: I think in a big way, too, that... um, Extroverted sixes, I think Easily cover up their anxiety hmm. And easily Put on The face of everything's okay mm-hmm. And I think that's why Even when work was hard Last year um, A lot of people didn't know mm. And even like a close family of mine didn't know mm-hmm. Because I was good at Keeping up, everything's fine on the outside mm. Whereas I think Probably an introverted six would I mean, I know any sixes could hide that because that's part of being a six. Mm -hmm. But I think that it could probably come, it would be more apparent maybe to other people Mm -hmm. that they were struggling with that. I don't know if that's true or not. But I I feel like it could be more apparent for an introverted six if they were struggling. Well, that got a lot deeper than I thought it was going to. Yeah, and
1: uh, we don't want to use up too much of our wonderful listeners' time, although we know you're fascinated by this discussion about the Enneagram. Mm. So we'll just put a bunch of like dot, 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 ellipses, ellipses ellipses right here and continue this discussion about the Enneagram next week. If you still haven't had a chance to learn your type that is okay we hope you can enjoy our discussion anyway and I think we inadvertently uh, failed to link to some of the tests we were talking about last time so we will be sure to put those links in the show notes and by we I mean Angie thank you Angie always making the show notes and doing all the tech and doing all the things I so appreciate it you're welcome (laughs) So that is it for this episode. Thank you for listening. Thank you for following us on Instagram. Uh, Thank you, thank you, thank you. Bye! Bye. That's all for this time, everyone.
0: What are your recent quirks or quandaries? Tokyo-related or not, let us know on Instagram at 2realtokyo. That's T-O-O, Real Tokyo. You can follow Angie
1: on Instagram at Photofreak, P-H-O-T-O-F-R-E-E-K.
0: And you can follow Jamie on Instagram at Jamie in T-Y-O. That's J-A-M-I-E in T-Y-O. Bye! Bye!